Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13 should have, uh, as usual, gotten one of those little uh, squares of paper so that you can turn in an anonymous uh, question uh, at the end. Proverbs uh, 13. And uh, as usual, we'll start off our class answering some of the questions that are uh, that you've turned in. Uh, since last week we started the subject of discipline, you know, these questions are, are related uh, to that. Uh, question number one, is it bad to use things like not allowing them to go to their grandparents' house as discipline? Uh, they love to go there. I mean, w what you're really asking is, should I take away a relationship I want my children to have as punishment? I mean, that, that's what the root of that question is. And we're going to learn that uh, one of the things that should characterize discipline is that you need to do what you need to do to modify their behavior. Uh, because in the end, they're the ones that have to choose to modify it. Uh, all we can do as parents is make their choice to modify their behavior, attitude, or words, what's in their heart. All we can do is make that easier or harder uh, on them. Um, I'll make this statement. I think you should always be cautious taking away things and discipline that are good and healthy for your children. You know, I think that if this is the only thing that modifies their behavior, uh, my suggestion would be to get in touch with your parents, uh, get them on your side, have them speak to your children on the phone and say, hey, buddy, I'm so sorry you can't come by. Please behave tomorrow. We really miss you when you can't come. And get them on your side. But uh, again, I, I would always be very, very hesitant to use something that you want in your children's life uh, as uh, discipline. Question number two, what should you do when your child rolls their eyes when you speak to them? Is this a common problem? <laughs> uh, for the most part, uh, all parents have the same kinds of problems with their children. Uh, the only thing that varies is how severe, specific <laughs> things are uh, related to, you know, the natural disposition of the children and circumstances uh, in, in your home. I mean, uh, and so I, I think the first thing you should do is consider how old the kid is. You know, if a five-year-old is rolling their eyes, you know, that, that's a pretty big deal. You know, you're shaping some things in, in their mind at that point. If your 15-year-old rolls their eyes but keeps their mouth shut, you know, that's not good, but that's better than it could be, okay? I, I'm not pretending that you should overlook that, but, but just take an honest consideration of, of where your child is, how old they are, and uh, what you should do is say, listen, uh, if you roll your eyes at again uh, at me, this is what's going to happen. And then the next time they roll their eyes at you, and they will, then do what you said you would do. Uh, question number three, for a younger child, after one spanking is given and it doesn't work, do you try another or try something else? Uh, we had some similar questions. How do you handle the terrible twos? I don't want to spank all the time. It doesn't seem to work. Uh, what I would say is if you're expecting instant results from your discipline, you are underestimating the freedom with which God made every human soul and the fallen nature of your children. Almost never. Uh, does one round of discipline uh, work on, on, on anyone? Now, there are a few, a few uh, just naturally compliant kids who, who that might work on, but, but nearly always, you know, your children will 
uh, continue to test you to one degree or another to make sure the line is still there. And um, what I would say in general is the younger your children are, uh, the more their discipline can be physical and given, must be given close to the offense. The older they get, the more distant the discipline can be from their act and the more options that you have available to you. Um, you need to really leave this whole mentality of the only thing I ever do when something's wrong is spank them. You know, that, that, that's just really not a good mentality. Uh, question number four, how do we separate discipline from anger when disciplining our children? Uh, we've had several questions that are along those lines. And by the way, everybody gets angry. And, and sometimes we're tired and we get angrier quicker. Sometimes we've had a lot of things going on that day. And, and so we're a lot closer to the knot and the end of our rope. And so what you need to do when it's discipline, you need to have some system that allows you to calm down. Uh, what we did with our children is when something would happen that required discipline, we'd tell them to go to our room, sit on the bed. And what that did was that gave us time, in, in our particular case, because I was a primary discipline, my wife is a, a gentle soul, though she did bust their chops sometimes, uh, but most of it fell on me because of my disposition and her disposition. Uh, we'd send them in there, and in that pause, you begin to think, okay, what happened? Pray, Lord, what should I do? How should I respond? And if you do something, it doesn't have to be that, uh, do something that is a pause, you will just help yourself. Uh, then we would go in the room. I would go in the room. I would sit down next to him. I would say, now you know you did such and so, right? Yes. Uh, do you know what happens when you do such and so? Yes. Uh, okay, bend over my leg. And I would give him one swat. Uh, very occasionally, too, but uh, I could count on, on one hand the times our kids got two swats. They got one swat. And then they would sit there. I would leave the room. I'd say, you need to talk to the Lord and think about this. I would leave them calm down. A few minutes later, I would go back in. I would sit down next to them, and I would look them in the face and say, you know I love you, uh, and you know you always have a friend in your dad. Please don't do this. This is hard for me. And then I would hug them, and it'd be done. But the whole point is, is there's a lot of ways you can do this, but the principle is, is this. Have some way to pause so you think about what you're doing before you start swinging. Um, question number five, we're concerned because my spouse is a bad communicator and I'm a bad teacher. How can we improve this? <laughs> the first thing you need to remember and is a very simple thing. God chose you to be the parent of your child. Uh, God knew your weaknesses, he knew your strengths, he knew the weaknesses and strengths of your spouse, and God chose you. And so whenever you get feeling like I am inadequate to parent your child, you need to step back and by faith say, you know what, I feel inadequate, but God chose me. And keep working on your weaknesses, uh, just recognizing that you have them. It's the first step to improving them. Uh, when your children get older, you know, if you're that concerned about it, uh, point out mentors who are good at the things that you're weak at, and uh, that will help your children. 
Uh, question number six, when and how do you discipline a one-year-old? Uh, we'll, we'll talk later about uh, when you start discipline, but, but in, in general, when your children are infants, there's really only two things or toddlers that you're trying to get through their head. Uh, number one, I love you and I'm there for, to, for you. Most parents do good at that. Number two, I'm in charge, you're not. All right, and there are a lot of ways you teach them those two things. But understand that if you fail in this whole idea that I'm in charge and you're not, uh, your twos are going to be much more terrible than they need to be. See, the terrible twos result because you've had somebody for two years or so that you let everything revolve around their will and you did whatever they want, and then you get to the place you say, well, wow, you know what, I need to be in charge here, and they're pretty resistant to that. And, and, and so the better you do at establishing those two things, uh, the better off uh, you will be. Uh, by the way, uh, when they're a toddler, I mean, you need to teach them the meaning of the word no. Uh, I don't personally consider it discipline when you smack a child's hand uh, or uh, their thigh or one on the, on the diaper or, you know, uh, one on their mouth like that uh, softly. Uh, I don't consider that discipline uh, when it's something that is to protect them from something that's going to hurt them. You, you know, listen, that does mean you need to be careful how much you use the word no. It needs to mean something. Uh, but you may save your child from uh, burning themselves on the stove by properly understanding that word, uh, rushing out into the parking lot in the traffic, you know, I always felt as a parent when our children were very young that those basic things, that there might be some moment that them listening to me would be the difference in them being hurt badly and not hurt. And I think if you just keep that in mind, you will really help yourself when your children are, are, are very young. Uh, some interesting but not always serious quotes, again, as we always do. Number one, to be, your child, to be in your child's good memories tomorrow, you need to be involved in their life today. Uh, here's a second one. Children learn more from what you are around them than what you say when you're lecturing them. Uh, number three, parents always talk about the younger generation as if they didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, a couple of... Uh, thoughts to ponder about parenting. Uh, here's the first one. Let your child figure out the weaknesses and humanity of those you've taught them to respect with, without you pointing. Do, do you remember last week we, we talked about how important it is to let your child figure out these faults and flaws because God will allow them to see them when they're old enough to deal with them. And if you, in your more maturity and your better vision of things, uh, bring things to their attention that they're not ready to deal with yet, you can hurt them. Eventually, they'll see them. Uh, number two, don't try to be the only authority in your child's life, uh, but make sure God and you are the key ones, especially when they're young. Uh, today we're on week 8 of 15 weeks uh, together on a subject of parenting. As I say to you uh, every week, I don't have all the answers. I, I just have seen a lot. I've been through a lot. My heart's desire is, is to help you. And the foundational question of this whole class is very simple. Uh, does God know more than I do about what will produce a better life for my child? 
And because God does know better than we do what will produce a better life for our child, we turn to the scriptures. Last week, we started the subject of discipline, even though it is a controversial subject in our culture and even among Christians, though it shouldn't be. Last week, remember, we established three foundational principles. The first one, if God disciplines his children, we should discipline ours, or we're not much like God. Remember the second one? Our motive in discipline should be the profit of our children, uh, not our own reputation. (laughs) Remember the third one? Discipline should not be pleasant to the recipient when it's going on. Remember how when God disciplines somebody, we learn that it's grievous uh, while it's going on. And so today, we're going to talk about how to apply those principles and Uh, the principles we're going to talk today about for applying those principles, there's no arguing about the principles themselves. And I think we can have some good, healthy discussion and even disagreement sometimes about the application uh, of them. But these principles are really not up for debate. They're biblical principles. If I had my way, when it comes to this subject of discipline, every parent uh, in this class would hear all three weeks of this because I think it's very easy uh, to get out of balance as a parent in this area of discipline. Listen, I understand it's every parent's right to discipline and raise their children as they say fit, see fit. Uh, I'm not trying to undermine your authority. Uh, I support your authority. What I'm trying to do is to try to help you to use authority God gave you as a parent in a way that's better for your children and pleasing to God. Uh, so you should be in your Bible in, in Proverbs 13. We're just talking about some basic principles for uh, discipline. Uh, here's the first one, number one. Start the discipline when your child is very young. Start the discipline when your child is very young. Proverbs 13:24. notice what it says. It says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. He that loveth him chasteneth him be times. That word be times, it means early. Uh, what I did in my Bible or any, uh, what I guess I would call uh, spelling words or vocabulary words, I did not know what the word be times mean. I have the word be times in my Bible circled. I got a little line over to the margin and it says early. Notice it says that if you love your children, you will discipline them early. See, our discipline is actually evidence of our love. Turn up a couple of pages to Proverbs 19. We think about disciplining our children early. Notice what it says here in Proverbs 19, verse 18. It says, chasten thy son while there is hope. In other words, there's going to be a time when you're not going to be able to discipline anymore. Do it early. And it says, let not thy soul spare for his crying. Uh, Here's the second part of disciplining your children when they're very young. Uh, You determine the stopping point. If you use their tears as the stopping point, you can underdo discipline and you can overdo discipline. There are probably people here as a kid, you said to yourself when you were going to get it, it says, no matter what they do, I am not going to cry. And then there are others here, you said, you know what, the sooner I cry, the quicker they'll stop. And so you don't want to use their tears as your stopping point. You thoughtfully determine what is the appropriate discipline, and you stop when it's appropriate, whether they're crying or not. 
uh, a lot of parents fail to properly discipline because they start the process too late. And most parents start the process too late because they fail to recognize the nature of their children. There are a lot of rebellious children because parents didn't discipline them as toddlers. There are a lot of rebellious teenagers because their parents didn't discipline them as children. Listen, if you wait until they're older children or teens, you have already made their life and yours more difficult. By the way, it's never to, if you, if you are here this morning, you haven't started to properly discipline your children and they are 8 or 10 or 12. It's never too late to start, but, but you need to be careful how you start if you haven't been doing any. But if you have a choice and your children are still young, start young. Uh, several people turned in questions like, what age should you start spanking your children? When should we start discipline? You, you, you know, uh, as I said earlier, I don't personally define smacking hands or, or uh, those kinds of things as, as discipline. You're just uh, ha- dealing with a toddler the only way a toddler can, can understand. You can't send a toddler uh, into the bedroom to sit there uh, until you can uh, co- come in and get your head together and then reason with them about what's going on. That, that I don't count that as, as discipline. Uh, there's no certain age. Here's what you look for. Start as soon as you're sure what they're doing is willful defiance. Start as soon as you're sure what they're doing is willful defiance. I mean, there's a big difference in childish immaturity, which doesn't come out by anything but time, and willful defiance. Willful defiance is the time you start. I'll turn back in your Bible to James chapter 5, just talking about and laying down some basic principles for discipline. We're going to do this this week and next week. First, start when your children are very young. Here's number two. In James chapter 5, here's number two. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Don't lift your hand, but I'm sure we have some people here who make a lot of idle threats. That is a very, very bad way to handle your children. Notice in James chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven nor by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and, let your, and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. In other words, you let your yes be yes, let your no be no. You don't need to swear in a stack of Bibles. You don't need to swear in your mother's grave. As a follower of Jesus, you should just simply, your yes should be yes, your no should be no. That's why Jesus said, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more of these uh, cometh of evil. Like I said earlier, one of the worst habits you can get into when it comes to discipline and your children's attitude and words and behavior is to consistently make threats on which you rarely follow through. (laughs) By the way, if you're a a stay-at-home mom and you're with them for hours, uh, day after day after day, this is a lot easier said than done. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. (laughs) Uh, 
the twin sister of making idle threats is making promises you rarely keep. See, the real, the, the real enemy of our yes being yes and our no being no is we say too many things too flippantly. See, that, that, that's why one of the reasons is you, you need to become very comfortable with, with this idea when they ask you something or something goes on, says, hey, let me think about it. Uh, I need to talk to your mother. I want to talk to your dad. Go in the other room. In a minute, we'll talk about what we need to do. See, because you always, uh, you, because people uh, very often just respond emotionally to what goes on in that moment, we say careless things and it causes uh, things to mean nothing or very little to our children who listen to us. The bottom line to this is, I hope you're beginning to hear, you and I need to be under better control of ourselves when we say what we're going to do. No one gets to parent in a vacuum. Like I said earlier, sometimes we're angry, sometimes we're tired, sometimes we've had a bad day. Uh, parenting in real life, uh, these principles are clear, but the application of them, it's messy. And you will help yourself and help your children if you develop some way to pause between saying what you really don't mean. Someone turned in the question, how do I change our kids only hearing when we yell? Uh, if they're old enough, sit, and down, sit them down, explain to them that you're no longer going to uh, yell to get their response and apologize for letting that go on. And then you very clearly tell them, the next time I tell you something, I expect you to do it, and I'm not going to yell. And if you don't do it, this is what's going to happen. Let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay. Number three. James chapter 3. I said, first, begin early. I said, secondly, mean what you say and say what you mean. B by the way, while we're thinking about that, instead of impressing your children with you being able to count to 3 or 5 or 10, why don't you just tell them something and expect them to respond? Listen, every parent in here who counts knows that whatever number you've said, I'm going to count to three, I'm going to count to five, I'm going to count to ten, and every kid goes, ooh, wow, my mom can count to ten. Wait till I tell my friend. My mom can count to ten. Instead of, instead of doing that, you know good and well that they are not going to respond until whatever number it is you've taught them brings your response. And so if you don't want to count to three and you don't want to count to five and you don't want to count to ten and by the time that's all going on and you've told them four times and you're getting angrier and angrier and angrier, you need to stop and you need to take a half a step back and let your yay be yay and your nay nay. It is a, it will, of all, one of the things that we're talking about that will bring a lot of peace in your home, this is one of them. 
principles for discipline. Here's number three. Uh, discipline them like our Heavenly Father handles His children. I think probably everybody in this room would agree that handling our children like God handles His children is a good thing. Notice in James chapter 3, uh, it's kind of an interesting remark that's somewhat related, but there's a principle here in verse 8. It says, For the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be, so to be. Did you notice the reason you're not supposed to curse people or speak badly about them is they're made in the image of God? Here's the first way God handles his children. He never breaks their personhood or their spirit. They are always, regardless of how disobedient they are, they're always made in his image and special to him. See, your goal in discipline should not be to break them as a person. It should not be to break their spirit. It should be to break their will. If you're not careful, you can crush your children. If you have more than one child, one of the things you're going to notice is that some of them are more sensitive than others. Some of them, you can crush their spirit easily, or they could be a kid like me. If you didn't hit me five times, I didn't even look your direction. Bat, 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 bat. Mom, oh, you're in the room. You, you, you need to be to your kids what they need, not what you want to give them. Though discipline is usually underdone, it can be overdone. Go back in your Bible to Psalm 103. We're just talking about the ways God handles his children. Apply these principles. There's nobody in here who's going to be a better parent to their children than God is to his. And he is the ultimate example of how to handle your kids. Here's the second thing. How do I handle my children like God handles his? Uh, I said first, break their will, not their spirit or their personhood. Here's secondly, with patience and long-suffering. Long-suffering is a special kind of patience. It is patience that pains you to wait. Notice how God, what God says about handling his children in verse 13 of Psalm 103. It says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he, remembereth, he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Do you know God always gives his children what's appropriate? He, he doesn't break people in half for small mistakes. I'm not implying that God treats smaller things like they don't matter. What I'm saying is that God treats smaller things like they're smaller things. If you're here and you're growing as a Christian, you would say this simple thing. You know what? Some of the things God is working on in my life, I never even thought of five years ago. Do you know why that is? Because God deals with every one of us where we are. And so when you and I parent, we shouldn't expect a 4-year-old to act 10 or a 10-year-old to act 15 or a 17-year-old to act like us. 
It, it means that we need to expect what is reasonable to expect from a 5-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old. Uh, that's what God does with us. He remembers that we're dust. Now, I, I do think most parents tend to not expect enough from their children, but there are a few parents who expect too much. Jeremiah 7. How does God handle His children? To me, this next one is a, is a pretty difficult one. I found it difficult as a parent. Uh, I think anybody here who, who does it will also find it difficult. Here's the third thing when, when we think about God handling His children. Carry discipline to its rightful conclusion. Carry discipline to its rightful conclusion. In Jeremiah's day, God had warned his, uh, Judah and warned them and warned them and warned them that Babylon was going to come and, and take them. They was going into captivity. They didn't listen, didn't listen, didn't listen. Notice the point they got to with God in Jeremiah 7, verse 16. He, God says to Jeremiah, says, Therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, uh, for I will not hear thee. God got to the place in his discipline of his children. He says, listen, I'm done with them. Uh, don't even talk to me about this anymore. See, our goal as a parent is to reach their heart. And so if you and I uh, overreact or underreact, we're never going to reach their heart. We need to carry things to its logical conclusion. Listen, if you recognize that you're overreacting, stop. Don't pridefully continue. Uh, the red flag in our house, uh, Sharon would say, are you sure you want to do that? And that was the red flag to me to step back in my mind and ask myself, Am I sure I want to do that? By the way, it's good for you to have some things like that with your spouse so that you know what you're talking about, but your kids have no idea what's going on because later on, sometime in this, we'll talk about the importance of parents being on the same page. Somebody turned in the question, how do I stick to the punishment? I said I would give them. Start by giving them the a punishment that's appropriate and thoughtful instead of blurted out in anger. You'll better stick to it. Uh, somebody turned in the question, how do I help myself remember they're just children? Same thing. Have some pause. You stop and remember. And whatever it is you said you would give them, if it's the reasonable, thoughtful thing to give them, carry it to its logical conclusion. Listen, any discipline that is grievous to our children, it is going to grieve you as their parent. I cannot tell you how sometimes it grieved Sharon and I to restrict our children from things because they had it coming. It will Remember, it's supposed to be grievous to them while it's going on. That means it's going to be grievous to you. Carry it to its logical, thoughtful conclusion. How do we handle people like... God handles him. Deuteronomy chapter 11. By the way, one of the things that helped us do this is whenever 
we would discipline them. Again, you know, send them to the room, go and talk to them. This and this is going to happen. Is we would give them what I would call the max sentence. Okay? You're off Xbox for a week. We didn't say, hey, if you're good for the next 30 minutes, you know, you can lower that by a day. But I hope our kids grew to understand that if they received their discipline well and kept their attitude good for four or five days over the course of that week, that we would go to them and say, hey, listen, mercy is when God doesn't give you uh, all that you have coming and your mother and I have decided to show you mercy in this. Your attitude has been good and disciplined. Uh, We're going to let you off today. And you are teach. remember, it is not an accident that God used the parent-child relationship to picture the relationship he has with his people. Now, now listen, if seven full days, even though it's grievous and they've received it well, is what they have coming, do it. But this kind of a procedure sort of thing, it will help you be able to teach them about mercy. Uh, how does God handle his t- children? Deuteronomy eleven twenty six, He says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Here's the next thing. Use both positive and negative motivation as discipline. Notice God promised a curse if you disobeyed. God promised a blessing if you obeyed. You know, sometimes when we're handling our children, we lose sight of the fact that there are times when we need to do and be something positive to them. And by the way, sometimes as a parent, you're going to go through seasons where you step back and you say to yourself, man, I have been nothing but negative day after day after day, and you need to be looking in the midst of those cloudy times, for something good you can say or do. Now, to the best of my knowledge, it is universal in the Scripture where God says, don't do this. If you do it, it brought some kind of discipline. And as far as I know, it is universal. If God says, do this, if you did it, he blessed you. I mean, for instance, the Ten Commandments, there's only one that's strictly positive. uh, Honor thy father and mother, and associated with that, God says that your days may be long upon the earth. But all the other nine had some negative aspect with them, and so when you broke those, there was something negative that that happened to you. But the bottom line is still this. God used both positive and negative things. I mean, for instance, when our children were real young, I mean, I'm talking about kindergarten. When they got a check plus, uh, we'd give them a nickel. Uh, If they got a check, they got nothing. If they got a check minus, they paid us a dime. Now, with two of our kids, that worked. Uh, With one of our children, he's like, I don't want to do the work. Just take my money. And again, you and I as parents, we we don't get to just do to them what we want to do. It is our job to recognize what motivates them and and, and moves them to modify behavior in a manner that's good for them. And so obviously, with that one, we did something different. Uh, And and lastly, and uh, this to me, 
just goes without saying without a Bible verse. Here it is. Balance discipline with available relationship with you. I think everybody in this room understands that God makes a relationship with him available to us. Listen, you can be a pretty strict disciplinarian as long as you're consistent and you balance that with relationship. Uh, in our house, uh, every, every week we had boys' night out. Now, they didn't know it was also mom's night off, but it, it was boys' night out. Uh, every, I guess, th- probably three months, I would take one of our boys on something they wanted to do with just them. I felt like it was important that they knew I cared about all of them, but I also felt like it was important they knew I cared about them as an individual. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many hundreds of hours I spent in the backyard pitching baseballs, uh, doing all sorts of things. We didn't have much money. Almost all the stuff we did was free. Balance what you do with relationship. And you're not helping your kid to, to be this hardcore disciplinarian and this emotionally distant parent. And you are not like our father who does both. Remember, the goal of successful parenting, it's not a good kid, though we like to have a good kid. The goal of successful parenting is an independent, functional adult with character. That's our goal. And in our society... You can do that by the grace of God. Um, We'll stop there. Should have a little square, as always. Write something on it so your questions or comments are are truly anonymous. I don't care if it's a smiley face. I don't care if it is, uh, wow, I love the way what you did with your hair today, uh, or a a serious question. Just uh, write them down, please, and stack them up up here, and I'll pick them up later. Uh, God bless you. You're dismissed.